It is crossover season here on Locked On Vols. Locked On Gators, Locked On Vols, Locked On SEC, keys to the game, things we're looking for, predictions and more. All that coming up here on a Thursday, Locked On Vols. You are Locked On Vols, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked on SEC, Locked on Vols, and Locked on Gators. Great to have you guys along. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 or more infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, covering your team every day. Let's get into it. As we welcome in our panel, we start with Brandon Olson, Locked On Gators, and Eric Kane, host of Locked On Vols. Fellas, welcome in. We got an SEC matchup this week. It's exciting. Yeah, I'm ready to be heard again. (laughs) Can't wait. (laughs) Finally, we get some good football. I know Florida had already played Utah, but Tennessee's played a bunch of nobodies, so excited for this week. Bunch of nobodies that you only beat by 17. That, fair point. <laughs> Very uninspiring win. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna act like it was against it is Austin the, P. It is the third September, uh, third Saturday in September. A rivalry that dates back all the way to 1916. This will be the 53rd meeting between the two schools. So this is a historic rivalry. I love Billy Napier. Even said this week at his press conference, "I'm having to educate the players on the history of this game. This is a big game. Uh, you know, some people may look at, oh, Florida's down." Tennessee was down. They're back up. This is a big, big rivalry game. And as you guys mentioned, there's been a lot of talk around, you know, the is the SEC down and this kind of stuff. So this could be a big game, uh, you know, either a big feather in Florida's cap with a win or a big feather in Tennessee's cap to say SEC's not down. Tennessee is a power. So we're going to see as we go along. But, Brandon, let's start with you. Assess your team so far through the first two weeks, the loss to Utah and then the win over McNeese. Success, assess where Florida is right now. Uh, week one hurt my heart. I'm not, I'm not going to pretend it didn't, but that Utah game, was just, it, it's it's tough to really evaluate what Florida is at that point because McNeese State, they improved, obviously, from the Utah game, but you expect that against McNeese, from going from Utah to McNeese State. But the Utah game was also just weird because Florida, genuinely, I don't think they played a bad football game. It's just they made the worst possible mistakes in the most crucial moments. You, you force them to punt two number threes on the field, which I, that will always drive me crazy why the guy on defense has to change his number. He's already on the field. Maybe change the offensive player's number while he's on the sideline. So that will always drive me crazy, but that led to a touchdown. Uh, the first play, cover one, safety accidentally takes out the corner, leads to a 70-yard touchdown on an underthrown ball, if we're being honest. Uh, fourth and one. False start when they were going to go for it, and then they were forced to take a field goal, which they then missed. So for me, it was like Florida didn't play a bad football game in week one. It was just they shot themselves in the foot every time. They were Plaxico Burris out there. That's all they wanted to be. And it was just so rough the entire time. But then you look at McNeese State, and it was a cleaner team. Communication was better. Communication has been way better this year compared to last year in general. So I don't think Florida played a horrible game in week one. I just think it it was the worst possible times you could have screwed up. You did. And the McNeese state, you look cleaned up. So for me, this is the true test for Florida to come out and say, Hey, 
who are you Gators? Like, like, are you a team that is going to be at least respected this year? Or is it going to be like, like August 31st where you were just mocked the entire time after that week one performance? Yeah, I think that's what we're asking everybody around the SEC. Who are you? What is your team? Are you a, are you a contender or are you, eh, we don't know what you are. And Eric, I feel that way about Tennessee. You know, a slow out of the gates week one against Virginia. Ultimately, they put it on them. And then this past week against Austin P. clunky, I guess would be the word I would use with the offense. So what did you see? Assess your team so far through two weeks. Yeah, um, very uninspired offensive football to begin the season um and and that's not that's not something typically you you know coincide with with Josh Heupel and you know I'm going to give Josh Heupel the benefit of the doubt because everywhere he's been every stop is an OC in the SEC as a head coach um he's had good quarterback play and um you know Tennessee's offense kind of sputtered a little bit in the Pittsburgh game at the beginning of last year and everything. So we'll see what happens. And, and kind of like what Brandon said, I mean, a lot of Tennessee's offensive mistakes are it's just Tennessee beating Tennessee. I mean, with all due respect, Austin P did not dictate what Tennessee did on Saturday. Uh, Tennessee was just horrific in certain spots. Joe Milton was not accurate. And that's something that really plagued him earlier in his career. And that's something he's gotten a whole lot better at. Even the Virginia game, he, he was really good. You saw last year. It's mop-up duty, I understand, in those games against Vanderbilt and Clemson. He's improved his accuracy, but he was not accurate on Saturday against Austin P. And then his receivers, you know, weren't helping him out, dropping some catches they should have had, and then flat out just dropping passes that were good passes. So the passing game is very much not in sync right now. That's a key for this game we'll get to here in a moment. But um, offense, very much a work in progress. The tools are there. You, you love... Uh, you love the skill. You love the running back room. Really like the way Jalen Rod's running the football. Defensively, it's been good. It's looked really, really good. Love the defensive line. Love the pressure they're getting to the quarterback. Um, hate the Keenan Peely's injured, but I like Aaron Beasley. I think he's one of the better defenders in the SEC. And then we'll see about the secondary, but I think the secondary is improved because I think the front four is improved. So uh, another key to the game, or something I'm intrigued to see, is is this defense really taking a step because it's looked really good through two weeks of the year, but again, Virginia and, and Austin P don't possess a lot of, uh, a lot of, you know, Zaz on offense, if you will. So, um, it's been uh, a lot of good stuff so far through two weeks. Um, some concerning things on offense, but I think this week, obviously it's a rivalry game. It's Florida. It's sec first true road game. You're going to find a lot about your team and find a lot, a lot about Florida this week as well. Brandon, what's the biggest storyline for Florida so far heading into this week? I think for me, at least, it's how is this offense going to react? Because when you look at the Utah game, Utah stacked the box against Florida, and Florida was kind of just like, yeah, yeah, Utah, we'll let you dictate what we're going to do offensively, which is, by the way, the worst thing you could ever possibly do. I don't know what went through Billy Napier's mind when that happened. Um, but And then you go to McNeese State, or you post McNeese State, and it's like, hey, we don't really care what McNeese State's going to do. We're going to run the football there. Now you have... Tennessee, which another a power five program, SEC school, they're probably going to stack the box. They're probably going to be pretty aggressive against you, as they should. Are you going to let them dictate what you do offensively? Because if you're going to let your opponent dictate what you do offensively based on, well, they had more people in the box than us, then just pack it in, dude, because you're not winning football games. It's as simple as that. So for me, I think it's how is the offense going to react? We saw the offensive play calling get a little bit more creative against Pekingese State. I don't know if that was them going, 
it's McNeese State. Let's let's have a little fun. Or if that was them going, hey, we should probably open things up a little bit here, playbook wise. Uh, but I'm very curious to see how the offensive play calling is going to go. And I know that's not the the sexy part of football here, but I want to see Florida run the damn football. Not even because I'm like, yeah, you need to win. You need to run the football if you're the Florida Gators. Based on how this roster is, if you want to win football games. You need to do it. So for me, I, I think the storyline is how are they going to react? Because every defense, every defensive coordinator even, is just going to see what Utah did against Florida and go, oh, if we stack the box, they're not even going to try to run the football. And so I need to see how Florida is going to react there because you know Tennessee is going to do exactly what Utah did. Yeah, putting the ball in the hands of Graham Mertz, I don't know if, if that's the answer for Florida for success throughout the year. Uh, Eric, what's the biggest storyline for Tennessee heading into this week? Yeah, a lot of the same, a lot of uh, what Brandon said and a lot of what I said a moment ago, it's it's this Tennessee offense. Um, is it going to look more like the Tennessee offense we've seen the past two years? And even against Virginia, where there was a big lull in the middle of the first half, like Tennessee got the opening kickoff, marched down the field, scored five straight possessions, didn't do anything, and then scored twice in four minutes right before the half. Like It's like, okay, well, it just shows you how quickly things can change in this offense. Um, but are you going to see more consistent? Tennessee's been one of the best first-quarter scoring teams and the nation the past two years. This year, through two games, small sample size, nah, not not very good so far. So the start, the offense, is the offense going to bounce back? And and like Brandon said with Florida, um, I don't think Tennessee's allowed the defenses so far, Austin P, Virginia, to dictate what they're doing defensively. But when you had a struggling quarterback like you did on Saturday and Joe Milton, when you have Ed, you know two high safeties, you're, I mean, Tennessee's just going to take what the defense has given you and going to hit the perimeter game. Tennessee just attacked the perimeter game the entire second half against Austin P. And, and Joe Milton connected and looked good, and so that's why his stats didn't look that good. But when you or his stats look good, but when you go down there and, and dive into the numbers, it's like, oh, well, fifty percent of his uh, of his passing yards came behind the line of scrimmage. It's like, well, what's going on here? So it's about Tennessee taking what Florida gives them, not uh, not making them dictate what they're going to do, but taking what Florida gives them and seeing if you can, you know, put together a game plan and adjust on the fly and go. So I'm intrigued to see how all that works out, but certainly the offense, what does it look like? First true road game. How does the crowd play a factor into procedural penalties? Um, all that type of stuff. That's what I'm looking for, uh, at least early on offensively for Tennessee. How about this for a stat? Tennessee through two weeks, their passing offense ranks 81st in the country. Florida's passing defense ranks eighth in the country. They played McNeese. That, that's all you need to know. They're an air raid. Show some respect. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, coming up next, guys, we'll get into some key matchups in this game. What are we looking for? That's coming your way in just a sec. But first, I want to remind you guys this episode is presented to you by our friends over at Jace Medical. Look, if you have ever had a moment of pain and it's been tough to reach your doctor or you just need some immediate relief, the Jace case is a way to provide five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it takes to get a Jace case is you fill out a simple online form, and in some cases, you jump on a quick call with one of our board-certified physicians. You get ongoing care from their physicians on any treatment-related questions, doctor-created, doctor-recommended, and with storms, shortages, pandemics, all kinds of issues out there, uh, you need to be prepared now more than ever. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected, and that's why Jace Medical is offering the Jace case. Again, providing those five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use to give you peace of mind so that you're not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical 
Make sure you have the medication in hand. It's simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Do not get caught unprepared. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off when you use our promo code Locked On at checkout. Just head to jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Promo code Locked On. Go check them out today. All right, continue on here on our Locked Over Crossover Edition as we continue talking with Brandon Olson and Eric Kane, host of Locked On Gators, Locked On Vols. It's Tennessee versus Florida, guys. It feels so good to say that. Uh, as we dive back into it, let's talk a little injury report. Any key injuries this week for your team? We'll start with you, Eric. Uh, Tennessee, any big injuries they're dealing with? I know, obviously, you mentioned Keenan Peely being out a couple weeks. Yeah, it's unfortunate, man. He looked so good week one against Virginia. And it's weird because he is not even really sure when he got hurt in the football game. That's a football player. It's like you out there and adrenaline's pumping. And then you, you come back and say, oh, man, I got a broken arm or whatever it is. It's not broken arm for him. It's like, when that happened? I don't know. I didn't feel it. Um, but now nah, that, that stinks that Keenan Peely's out. Um, so at linebacker, he's out for a while. Hopefully it's not season ending. Cooper Mays has been out really since like the second week of fall camp. And he just got to the practice field last week, did some work on the side. Uh, earlier this week on Tuesday was his first actual practice, you know, with the offense and everything. So um, he is very questionable. You know, Josh Hopp always says, oh, we'll wait till the end of the week and make those decisions. We'll see how they are on the grass. You know, coach speak stuff. Uh, but in this case, I think it truly is that. Um, we'll see what Cooper Mays looks like on Friday. But I think you're able to get your center back that sets the tempo in this offense. And as a three-year starter, I think that'd be huge. Um, other injuries, Elijah Simmons, defensive tackle, hasn't played so far this year. He's still out. Um, and, and that's pretty much it. Tennessee overall is a, is a pretty healthy football team. McCullough got uh, banged up there towards the end of the, the football game, but I, the starting safety, but I think he's going to be okay as of right now. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much it. The, the big storyline is the center, Cooper Mays. Will he, won't he play? And uh, I think Florida's a lot of the same in terms of the center. Yeah, and Billy Napier calling out earlier this week saying if Cooper Mays gets back, he basically said he's the straw that stirs the drink in terms yeah. of that up-tempo offense, mm -hmm. you know, running three plays per minute. That's Cooper Mays. And so maybe the issues we've seen with Joe Milton and the offense in the, week, in the first two weeks, maybe that's all fixed with Cooper Mays back. On the other side, Florida, their offensive line, not great week one. Brandon talked about it, struggled to run the ball against Utah, but they might be getting their center back in Kingsley Aguakin. Talk a little bit about uh, injury and health-wise for the Gators, Brandon. Yeah, I think this is a weird instance where it's week three of the season and Florida's getting healthy. I feel like that's not usually how things go for Florida, but after having quite a few players banged up in the Utah game and in fall camp, Florida pretty much, if you were questionable for McNeese State, you didn't play. Florida was like, yeah, we're just going to be really cautious heading into SEC play, and I think that was the right approach. Uh, Kingsley Aguakin, like you said, should be making his return here. I know that they said, hey, He's cleared. I would fully expect him to play at that point against Tennessee after he got he sprained his ankle like a week before the Utah game, was in a boot a little bit. I think he could have gone against McNeese State, but again, they were just like, hey, if you're questionable, we're not going to burn you on McNeese State here. So great to see Kingsley walk and get back. I'm curious to know just how much that's going to impact the offensive line because Jake Slaughter has done a good job in filling in for Kingsley Aguakin. But also when you face those fronts like Utah was just showing pressure constantly. When you deal with that and you have a backup center, it's kind of interesting to go, okay, like 
how, how are you going to adjust there and how are you going to talk? So Kingsley Walken being as experienced as he is coming back as big for Florida. Uh, Marcus Burke was dealing with an injury last week. That's the thing I hate about how Florida does things where they, they do that little upper body questionable. You'll find out when they get on the field or not. Um, and I kind of hate that approach to things. I understand it, but I just hate it. Uh, Tony Livingston, who backup tight end going to maybe be back. He got banged up against Utah. A lot of the guys are getting healthy now for Florida. And then that's the important part. You've either got guys out for the year or guys that were banged up and they're coming back. And for me, I think that's that's great heading into SEC play. I don't think that's a, a privilege that a lot of teams have of getting right as you start the toughest stretch of your schedule. Well, let's get into some of the key matchups in this one, guys. What you know, where you're going to be looking. Is it O-line versus Z-line? Is it quarterback versus secondary? Or whatever it is, uh, Eric, we'll start with you. What's the biggest matchup you're focused on in this one? Yeah, I think um, biggest matchup I'm focused on this one is I want to see if Tennessee's defense truly is a pretty solid unit this year. Um, yeah, you've, I mean – Seven sacks, fourteen TFLs last week. That was Austin P. You know, but you had four sacks and I think eleven TFLs against Virginia. I understand they're not good, but that's a power five program. I mean, how good is this front seven? I mean, I, I want to know. And though Florida's had issues on the offensive line, and though Florida, you know, might be getting a starting center back and all that, I want to see kind of where your front seven, specifically that defensive line, kind of stacks up against some good competition. So uh, the Tennessee's front seven um, against Florida's run game. It's going to be a huge matchup because Florida wants to run the football. Florida is not built to come back in football games. Florida wants to be in a football game to run the football or have a lead to run the football, and Tennessee needs to make it as one-dimensional as possible. I don't think they're going to make it one-dimensional. Don't hear me wrong here. Uh, but I think Tennessee needs to do a, a decent job against the run, just like Utah did uh, against Florida and forcing them to, through the air. So that's a big matchup I'm looking for. And then, of course, uh, on the other side, I mean, it's it's got to be you know Tennessee's passing attack against the uh, the secondary for for Florida. Um, Joe Milton's got to complete some passes down the field. Um, Tennessee has not taken many shots down the field simply because the defense has so far been like, all right, Joe, you're not going to beat us over the top. We'll keep everything in front of us. So Tennessee's gone intermediate and and short passing game. But you're going to have to take shots. And Florida again, new DC and everything, trying to trying to regroup defensively from last year. I get all that, but it's still a power five SEC defense, Florida's going to do what Florida wants to do defensively. You're going to adapt. You're going to have a game plan, but Florida's going to, you know, run a single high safety at points in time and say, okay, Joe Milton, come throw it. Let's see if, let's see how big a boy you are. Right. And Joe's got to, you know, complete those passes and these receivers have got to help him. So uh, two big key matchups for on the Tennessee side, one offensively, one defensively that I'm looking forward to in this football game. Yeah, this was a game a year ago. We saw, you know, Hendon Hooker play great, all those big receivers, and, and you know, Jalen Hyde, Cedric Tillman are gone. Who steps up here? Who's the next guy? Brew McCoy, Ramel Keaton, all these different guys. Who's going to be that guy? This is the week to come out and show out who you are, Tennessee. For, for you, Brandon, what's the key matchup, biggest matchup you're looking for in this one? For me, it's Joe Milton against the entire Florida Gators defense, really. I, I know the last week, like he was uh there, there was a little bit of pressure coming in even even from austin p and so I, I would like to see florida like they're they're gonna rev it up they just are austin armstrong is aggressive as all hell and i can't wait to see how he's going to react with this very up tempo and just pass happy offense i want to see how he's going to really handle this is he going to go more single high is he going to become 
more reserved and he's like hey let's just get more guys in coverage and make sure that he's not going to get at and make sure he's not going to have just easy completions available or is he going to go hey yeah no we're, we're going to get after you and we're just not going to let them get downfield we don't care what you call we're just not going to let them run downfield and get that vertical passing game going so i'm interested to see how austin armstrong is really set to deal with joe milton in this game because like Eric Kane mentioned before, I don't know why I use your full name. Um, like Eric Kane mentioned before, very formal. Yeah, I, I, yes, we're very we're very reserved here. Uh, Tennessee went a lot behind the line of scrimmage last week. Florida's going to press up on you, and I'm curious to see. It's like, hey, are we going to press up and get after you in the backfield, and we're going to make you earn every single yard? And so I want to see how Austin Armstrong prepares for this one, and also if. The communication issues that he had against Utah, which cleaned up against McNeese State, are you going to be able to get that communication, get those calls? Because when you watch the Utah game, oftentimes you'll see the entire defense just staring to the sideline as Austin Armstrong is trying to get the call in. Tennessee goes really fast at times. Yeah. You can't have that. Like, So I'm curious to see how Austin Armstrong is going to adapt to that because he's still a very young defensive coordinator. I think he's very good schematically. 30 years old you, you at 30 years old calling an sec defense against tennessee it's pretty rough so i'm curious to see how he's going to get that call in and how fast he's going to do that because if you're going to have those communication issues you're going to lose this football game real, real quick brandon I, on that note i was going to ask you know both of you real quick what's the biggest concern for your team this week is is it that for you brandon I think so, yeah, because against Utah, like Utah's not an up-tempo team, especially when they had their third and fourth-string quarterbacks in. Uh, they're not a very up-tempo team, and they were constantly, like Utah was ready to go while Florida's defense was just looking to the sidelines. So for me, that's easily the biggest concern. I understand that's, that's not to knock anything about Tennessee. It's just they're going to go fast, and if you're not prepared for that, you're going to lose probably by a lot. Uh, yeah, biggest concern yeah. on Tennessee side, obviously the you know the the passing game that we spoke on a little bit, but also that offensive line. You know, Brandon mentioned it there. Awesome P got after. They dialed up a lot of things, played some games. Awesome P had a great game plan against Tennessee. I mean, hats off. They really, really did. And it was good for Tennessee's offensive line that is very much a work in progress. Big question mark at center right now until Cooper Mays comes back. Rotating at left guard, rotating at right tackle. I hate that. That's not real football in my opinion, but. Josh Hype and Glenn Ellerby have done that in years past, so we'll see what happens. But uh, very much a work in progress on the offensive line. They got to see a lot of that last week, which is good. But Florida is going to, you know, at times engage eight, get after it, right? I mean, they're going to mix some things up. They're going to try to make things as difficult as possible on Joe Milton. So can you have a better day pass protection? Can you can you have a clean pockets? Can you allow Joe Milton to, to get a chance to, you know, do, do some things? Uh, that's going to be a, a big... Um, that's going to be something to watch, and and I would say that's kind of a concern of protecting Joe Milton entering this football game. All right, we'll get into it right after this, guys, with score predictions. Where are we going? We'll touch on that right after this. But first, we want to remind you guys that this episode is presented to you by our friends over at the Game Time app. Look, buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all your favorite sporting events, even SEC games with killer deals, on last-minute tickets and the best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you're going to have. It's the fast, fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You can get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. You buy tickets in a matter of seconds, just two taps, and you're all set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. 
Go snag your tickets without the stress with Game Time. Go download the Game Time app, create an account, and use our promo code Locked On College. That will get you twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code Locked On College for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And we jump back into it, guys, as we are discussing Florida versus Tennessee and moment of truth. Uh, Tennessee has not won a game in Gainesville since 2003. I know that's been the big stat that's been thrown out there. Florida does lead the all-time series 31 to 21, but none of that means anything. This Saturday, it just matters who's the better team, who can execute. So, uh, Eric, we'll start with you. What do the Vols need to do to beat the Gators on Saturday night? Uh, fast start. I think getting off to a fast start, trying to take this crowd out of the game. Um, and again, I mentioned earlier, if Tennessee is up, I don't think Florida and Brandon, you can, you, you can chime in on this, please. But I, I don't think Florida's built to come back. Um, I think Florida's built to be in ball games and to have the lead. But I think Florida is not as well, Florida is not as well equipped as Tennessee to come back down a score, down ten points or whatever. So. First quarter is going to be huge. First day. We always talk about middle late. And Tennessee, through two games, has done a really great job in the middle late. Did a great job against Virginia. Did a great job against Austin P. You want to win the middle late every game. But the first date, I think, is going to be critical for Tennessee this week. You got to get off to a fast start. So get off to a fast start. Run the football. Everybody's saying Joe Milton, passing attack, you know, air raid, all this type of stuff. Tennessee runs the football 50% of the time. It has since Josh Hopple's been here. Tennessee led the nation in rushing touchdowns last year, and Jalen Wright is good. Run the football, allow that to open up the rest of the offense, have some confidence, start fast, and put the pressure on Billy Napier. Put the pressure on Florida and try to get them out of their comfort zone a little bit. I think Florida's also going to be um, more... I think Florida might be taking some shots and trying to trying to do some things early on to try to get up on the lead and put the pressure on Tennessee. So be ready for that as well. Yeah, Tennessee, by the way, ranks currently fourth in rushing offense uh, in the country. And Jalen Wright and Jabari Small both in the top five in the SEC in rushing numbers right now. Crazy to think that Tennessee's got not one but two running yeah. backs top five in the SEC in rushing right now. I thought it might be Montrell Johnson and Trevor Etienne, but – Long season to go. They could certainly find their way, way there uh, as Florida goes along. Brandon, what do the Gators have to do to beat the Vols on Saturday night? I think that, uh, first off, Kane, you're totally right. Florida's not a team that's, like, built to come back from yeah. down 10 points or anything. like. I think they could do it if they do have a lot of time to do it. But I think that, you know, as every drive goes and you don't cut that lead, then it gets way less likely. I think for Florida, a lot of it is establishing that run. I, I do think that Billy Napier, I think Billy Napier loves the running clock more than anybody else on the planet right now. I think he's like, oh, that's the best rule change ever because what Billy Napier wants to do is just dominate time of possession, especially when you have an offense like the Tennessee Vols do. So I, I think that that's going to be a big approach here, and I think that that's what Florida has to do here. I think Florida's, they've got more dynamic playmakers than they've ever had under Billy Napier, but it's, can you actually get that going consistently? Because that's something where we saw Ricky Pearsall had a ton of targets against Utah, but they were all really short targets. And it's about creating yards after catch there. Eugene Wilson, the third true freshman has looked awesome. Every time he's touched, he's touched the football. The way that I know he's a special playmaker is every time he touches the football, I'm just like, is he about to house this? He hasn't yet, but every, every time he does, I'm like, Oh, he's dynamic as hell. Um, 
But I think for Florida, it, it's about really dominating that time of possession, not letting the volunteer offense get into a rhythm. I think that's a big part where, because with an up-tempo offense like Tennessee, when you go and go and go, if you convert first downs and you can get into a rhythm, you're way more lethal than if you're on the field, you get a three and out or you get one first down and then you have to punt and then you're not on the field again for another six minutes. That really is going to just take the life out of the sale. So I think for me and, and for Florida, if you want to win this game, you have to really dominate time of possession and you have to do it in the right way. Don't dominate time of possession because they're scoring so fast. Dominate time of possession because your defense is making plays and then your offense is just like, yeah, no, we're just going to keep the ball out of Joe Milton's hands and keep the ball out of Josh Heupel's mind, really. And I, I think that's how you have to win the game if you're the Florida Gators. Parasol, by the way, top five in the SEC in receiving yards. I can't remember the last Florida Gator receiver that was top five in the SEC in receiving yards. Uh, Brandon, <laughs> Brandon, we'll stick with you. Give me what's your official score prediction. Who wins? I'm, I don't care if I sound like a homer. I'm picking Florida, and I'm going 28-24. Um, for me, I think it's very hard to come into the Swamp and win a football game. I, that That's I don't even know why I said I think. It's a fact. It's very hard to come into the Swamp and win a football game, especially with a Florida Gators defense that, stick with me, looks competent this year. We haven't had that in about five years. So I'm very happy to see that. So with a Florida Gators defense that looks like they can actually make plays, I, I feel like I'm going to faint just talking about it. But I think Florida being able to make plays defensively is actually a, a great thing where you also combine that with the swamp and Kane mentioned before there's procedural issues that could happen with a rocking crowd. You're not taking that crowd out of the game unless you make it like Dallas Cowboys versus New York giants the other day. And, and it's like 16, nothing really quick. And that ain't happening. So I, I think that the crowd is going to play a part in it. Joe Milton last time he came to the swamp got benched. It was a rough one for him there. So very interested to see how Florida's defense really shows up and, and how their crowd kind of tries to take Tennessee out of it. But I, I think Florida 28-24. Eric, score prediction? Milton was benched before the Florida game in 21. Um, Hindenhooker <laughs> did get hurt, though, at Florida. Um, if Tennessee can – not exactly like they did LSU last, week, last year because, I mean, that was just – LSU fumbles the opening kickoff. Tennessee goes down there, and it's like 40 to it's, – it's like – like Dallas Cowboys the other night, it's like it's like fourteen to nothing here in a hurry. But if you can get off to a start like that, I think would be huge. Real quick, Brandon, it, there's some youth at safety, right? I mean, those two safeties played forever; they're gone. And there are true freshmen starting at safety this year. There is a true freshman starting at safety. Yes, it could be another key to the game, like picking up, try, trying to pick on that youth and, and experience, right? Um, I said all off season, I was like Tennessee's going to win this game, and, and again, it's. One year does not correlate to the current year. You know, history of this series, it's great, you know, whatever. But it, it has nothing to do with this game. I get all that. But you still haven't won in the Swamp in 20 years. I mean, it's been since 03. You haven't won back-to-back -back games in this series since 03-04. The 04 game at Neyland, the 51-yard field goal, James Will Hoyt. I mean, I, I was at that game. I was, gosh, I was in like third or fourth grade, whatever. It's been forever. So um, it, it's wild to say, you know, it's anytime you say Tennessee's going to beat Florida just because the series lately just not you know dictated that but I've said all offseason I said Tennessee's going to win this game down in the swamp I'm not going to change my tune even last week inspired offensive football I'm not going to change my tune um but I think Tennessee's got to stick to those keys get off to a you know fast start Joe Milton's got to hit some down the field Tennessee's got to run the football and Tennessee has got to make Graham Mertz super uncomfortable and I think that Tennessee can do the majority of those things so um I like Tennessee in this one 
It's going to be a wacky game. Even when one team's blowing out another, somebody always has a backdoor cover or you know nearly comes back and wins it by scoring a ton in the last five minutes and getting an onside kick like last year. I will take Tennessee to win, but Florida to cover. Give me 35 to you know, 28, 35 to 27, somewhere around there. I, I love that this is a night game, too, on, on ESPN, and it's not that 3.30 CBS slot. I love that it's, you know, 6 p.m. Central, 7 Eastern on ESPN, nationally televised audience. And, uh, look, you guys make some great points. Um, you know, I love your score predictions. You both think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be close. I've been going back and forth all week. I really want to pick Florida in this one just because of history's on their side. I mean, 20 years since Tennessee has won down there. But I got to lean on, is Tennessee back? If they are, Josh Heupel has to nope. win. I'm going Tennessee. Like 30, Texas, come on. I'm going Tennessee 31, Florida 24. I think it's a close one, but Tennessee pulls away late. So there you have it. I'm the tiebreaker. I'm the unofficial. Uh, Let's get some more points, though, party. in this one. It can be a three-point game, Gordy. Let's get some more points in this. It's running right? clock, Eric. We're losing possessions. Lane Kiffin's complaining about it. We're getting a possession a half less per game. Like, <laughs> well, Brandon doesn't care. Brandon's like, just eat that clock. Let's go. The more time Your we favor, my team. I love it. I don't care. <laughs> he is, of course, Brandon Olsen, Locked on Gators. Eric Kane, host of Locked on, on Vols. Guys, best of luck to both your teams. It's been a lot of fun. And, uh, We'll see what happens. Thank you guys so much for joining us. And, of course, uh, thank you guys for making us your first listen every day, whether you're listening to Locked on Vols, Locked on Gators, or Locked on SEC. And shout out to your everydayers. Keep coming back every day. We'll be reacting to this one throughout the next couple days. Guys, best of luck to your teams. Thanks so much for your time. Hey, that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed catching up with Brandon Olson and Chris Gordy, hosts of Locked On Gators and Locked On SEC. Hope you guys enjoyed that as well. Different perspectives, one from Gators' side, one from a broader SEC perspective. Uh, Gordy's picking the Vols to win. I'm picking the Vols to win. We will see if the Vols will win. Hey, coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll get uh, caught up with Boogie Bentley of the Talking Vols Network, and I'll give you my official prediction and preview for the Florida Gators' Tennessee football game. That and more coming up here on a Friday, Lockdown Vols. Appreciate you guys as always. Shout out every dayers, and hey, let's do it again tomorrow. This is Lockdown Vols.